Hi, and welcome to the Design Find Podcast, a space where women are interviewed and in conversation to discuss the highs, lows, and everything in between about being a woman in design. The Design Find has new episodes every Monday, so make sure you come back every week. You can find more on the Design Find Podcast Instagram. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome to the Design Find, the podcast. Today, we have Sanjana, and she's going to be sharing with us her story in the design field. So welcome. Hi, Nicole. Thank you. So to start off, can you kind of introduce yourself, where are you from, what you're doing now, and what you're doing in the design field? Sure. As you already said, my name is Sanjana. Uh, I'm currently based out of Barcelona. I'm an interior architect, a social designer, and an experience designer. Uh, I'm currently finishing my second master's degree in ephemeral architecture and temporary spaces. Prior to that, I had done my master's from UAL in London uh, in design research. I used to live in New York for 10 years where I was working as an interior architect in hospitality. Uh, And prior to that, I went to Pratt Institute for my bachelor's in interior architecture. Wow, so you obviously have a lot of experience. Um, Let's kind of start by going to the beginning. What initially got you interested in interior design and architecture? And what kind of brought you through to the places that you've been now? I feel like to begin with, it was, I I definitely didn't know if I wanted to do interior architecture or not, but I knew I wanted to be in the design field. So uh, in my bachelor's at Pratt, I joined in foundation year. And what is really good about foundation year is that in case you don't know exactly what you want to do, you get to explore a few different like basic um, courses that serve as a foundation for any course that you're going to take up. And uh, through that, I found my interest in more so in interior or industrial design and then looking at just you know my general interests and reading and stuff like that I decided interior design would be the better way to move ahead and I'm glad I did select that because it seems like it was the right choice for me Uh, but obviously at the very beginning I did not know that it was just me exploring um, you know what design had to offer. And what were kind of the things that you loved about design initially and that really got you interested? Yeah. So I feel like what got me interested in design initially um, and what I love in design even now, like what's my driving factor has always been the same. It has never changed. And it's been about how design can make you feel a certain way, like it can enhance the way a person is feeling. Uh, in it can enhance the conditions a person is living in and I'm not just talking about this as an interior designer in terms of luxury interiors but just in terms of design thinking really Uh, you know uh, it can really enhance uh, someone's well-being and I feel like that is what I have always been interested in um, and that still happens to be my driving factor 
I completely agree. There's so many things that you can kind of get your hands in with design. And it, for a lot of people, like you included, it just sparks something of creativity, which is so special that many other fields might not have the same feeling. Um, what did you study in university and how did that go out? Or if you completely switched to what you're doing now, um, either with, you said you were doing your master's, but also if you um, did any previous jobs. Right, so in my bachelor's, I did interior design. Uh, and then after I graduated, I was working in hospitality. Now, of course, there was a switch in what I studied and what I was working in, in terms of application. You know, when you're in school, you're, you're just focusing on design, right? You're trying to get the best design out there to think most creatively. You know, you might even try to make the floor levitate because that's your time to like, you know, be creative. You don't have any constraints. And once I was in the work field, it was an interesting switch in understanding that the world doesn't really work that way. There are a lot of constraints. There is a lot of like government licensings that need to be done for any small thing, you know. Uh, you have to deal with clients' temperaments and stuff like that. So I wouldn't say that I think it wasn't like it completely switched, but it was a whole nother side to it that I didn't learn in school. I grew to really like hospitality um, and I feel like I was doing well in it. But when I was in my bachelor's, I grew an interest for social design, uh, which was basically designing for like social change. So my thesis was about uh, a refugee shelter uh, that I had built. Uh, it got picked up by the IKEA Foundation uh, to be produced. And I felt like I was really lacking that sense of working in the larger, like, you know, working for the social good when I was when I was doing my job. So I started doing like competitions on the side where I could brainstorm design solutions and stuff like that, which led me to my first master's, which was about spatial design research, uh, which in which I studied uh, or rather researched for a year how, uh, you know, how do human, how does human behavior change uh, in a certain space and how that was helpful for me was, uh, for example, you know, there are a lot of public structures that are unused, you know, why are they unused? Why isn't the public using them? You know, what is it that you need? How does the design of a neighborhood uh you know, increase the the social awareness within the neighborhood and their livelihood along with, you know, uh, basically that is summarizing it, but we went much into detail of that. And then in my second master's, I'm doing um, ephemeral architecture, which is basically temporary architecture. Again, going back and looking at these public spaces that can be constructed temporarily, or perhaps even like design installations, uh, pop-ups and stuff like that. A project that I'm currently working on is uh, I'm actually building a temporary playground 
in the parking lot uh, in this underserved neighborhood in Barcelona right now. So I feel like while uh, it may seem like my interests have switched a lot, I feel like the interests have stayed the same. It's just a way of going deeper. Um, all those projects sound so inspiring and it's great that you're using your tools for the good. What are some major causes that you're primarily focused on and that you really want to see a big change in the future? I feel like, I, I feel like, you know, especially with COVID, I felt like that was a big design uh, problem that we all came to realize, like, you know, suddenly people were working from home when that, you know, homes were not designed to be worked from. It was really affecting the mental well-being of people. Um, if you take restaurants into account, you know, uh, restaurants basically had to be shut down because of the way they were designed, right? Because early on, people were like almost um, too, like the way the floor plan set in a restaurant or whatever, like there are a lot of people in a place, there's not enough divisions, they're not adaptable to, to uh, you know, unseen, uh, unforeseen circumstances. And I feel like as of now, I'm focusing my research on adaptability. I'm not saying it's for COVID, but I feel like COVID has given us a precedent to learn from that things could change. And, you know, uh, our spaces need to be way more adaptable than they are because the, the spaces need to fit our needs and not our needs fit into the spaces. What are some tips or things that you would give to people if they're designing space right now or a restaurant or kind of just anything that you would think would be better suited for COVID and just like the future of our world and what the world has come to since COVID? I feel like it might seem when we think about design and COVID, it might seem really grim with like, you know, PVC screens and like uh, hand sanitizers everywhere. But I don't think it has to be that way. I feel like it is an opportunity almost to change the way we look at design. Uh, and what I would suggest um, to people is to really start leaning into the idea of adoptability. I have conversations with architects even now, you know, uh, like for example, if you're designing an office and they're like, oh my God, but COVID is over. We can go back to designing the normal way. I don't think, I don't think that is what we should take back from this experience, you know? COVID might be over, there might be something else. I don't mean to sound like, uh, you know, like the end days here or anything like that with that, but you never know, you know? Um, so it should, it sh we should always design keeping adoptability in mind. I feel like for a lot of, a lot of years we designed uh, thinking that the way we see things are the way they are. Um, but it looks like we're moving into a more fluid section of design. What are some things that you personally like to incorporate in your designs that you think make your designs unique, but also um, having kind of a new element to, to them? I feel like it's really important for me 
um, to understand, uh, you know, the the pattern or the behavior of the consumer using that space. Um, I would hate to build a park the way a park is built without understanding uh, the sensitivity of the actual residents in the park and how is it that they like to use a park, you know. Uh, I've seen in a lot of instances where a lot of things are prototyped and fit into space and obviously this differs from culture to culture, you know. I don't think there is one answer fits all when it comes to design. So it's really understanding the pattern of behavior of the user. I do this do, when I'm doing residential projects as well. Instead of jumping right into design, I actually workshop with the clients, you know, understand instead of instead of having them tell me, you know, this is what they want in their home, I, I try to interact with them in such a way that it could give me some insight into their life and I could design around that. Like a very easy example would be uh, in my last workshop, I asked my client how he would like to spend an ideal Sunday afternoon, let's say. And the things I learned from that conversation was something that I would have never even known while reading the brief. And obviously it was important for me to design around that. But had I not had that conversation or looked for that pattern of behavior, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to provide this client with something that would give him so much joy. What are some things that you personally do that you think can elevate any space that anyone can do in any area or store that you think that can really just make it a new new a new space and make it feel different I feel like in terms of interiors um, light is really really important I'm always looking out for the light trying to increase the amount of light that we can get into the space Adding a lot of greenery, I feel like, helps a lot, making the space really airy, um, adding some, you know, uh, subtle patterns and things like rugs and, you know, cushions and stuff like that can really elevate a space um, without you even knowing. Now moving kind of to more your story personally, you talked about social design. Can you talk a little bit about um, more about that and what that is to start for some of them? So for some of us who don't really know. So social design is basically, as the name suggests, really only designing for social good. Uh, and by social good, I mean like it's more so like design thinking and problem solving really. Uh, that you solve through design. Uh, for example, as I mentioned about the refugee shelter, now there were certain problems that I saw with the current, you know, refugee shelters that are being used. They seem very temporary, but people end up living in that shelter for like, you know, nine to 10 months, which is not so temporary after all you know so it's like it's like problems like that that you pick up and try to 
solve through design. For example, I worked on this one project in Kathmandu after the earthquakes there, where um, a school had fallen down and we created a temporary structure um, for a playful like outdoor school. You know, uh, that, that in its sense was problem solving in a different in a different sense as to how do you procure material in a place that has priorities right after an earthquake the land is unstable how do you fix that how do you make this experience where the kids are going to school not feel so makeshift after all uh, so i guess social design really is about you know, picking up these problems that you see around the world and trying to solve them through design because I truly, truly believe that there are a lot of problems that would be solved with good design solutions. Um, and what types of things or goals that you have in the future that you wish to accomplish in terms of social design? I feel like I am hoping to start in some way working uh, with the government uh, in improving the socioeconomic statuses of some underprivileged neighborhoods by, by proposing, hopefully, you know, uh, temporary design fixes that you know can show a measurable change in in certain underprivileged neighborhoods for example with the park that i'm the the playground that i'm creating right now that is placed in 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 an underprivileged neighborhood which would hopefully you know bring in some good but as a goal for myself i would like to be working uh, with the government constantly on more projects like this. What types of things in the future um, do you have in mind for in terms of what you're more going to be focused on more social design, more architecture, more interior? What do you think is more of your path in terms of the design field? I feel like I feel like I would be doing myself a disservice by choosing just one i i have come to realize after six years in the field that you know i i do like i do like interior design you know but just because i like doing luxury interior design doesn't mean that i have to give up doing social design altogether it is really important to me you know um, so I don't think I don't think I see myself picking up one thing and just going ahead full steam with just one uh, direction. I feel like I do want to keep exploring interior design and social design um, with the skills that I've picked up and let e each of the fields influence one or the other because I feel like um, in order. It would be it would it it would be doing me no good to you know leave one of my passions behind. I feel like they're not exclusive of each other. 
And what is something you want to change about the design field or something that you want to work more on personally? That's an interesting question. Something I'd like to change about the design field is again, I feel like when we talk about interior design and architecture and just design in general, for some reason, uh, the perception is always like luxury, you know, like all design uh, or, or like luxury design solutions. Uh, I would like to change that conversation to more towards that also including you know uh, design problem solving for for social goods a lot of these big uh, government organizations don't even uh, have that many designers you know that are making uh, that are part of the decision making which i think is time we start seeing a change in uh, in terms of even policy making for that matter um, I think a personal goal of mine would be to just keep uh, moving forward and trying to balance both the social design and, and the interior architecture path that I'm on um, and not letting either one of them fall through the cracks really. What is something that you would say to your past self and also a few, your future self um, in terms of keeping on your passion for design or maybe things that you would have changed about the way you went about it? I feel like um, when I was younger and I had, not younger per se, but like when I was in um, college and I was, I was, you know, kind of moving on to the social design part of my work. I was finding it difficult to find a paying job in that. And then there was a point in time that I felt really disheartened uh, where I was like, okay, this is it. This is where that ends. And I, and I wish I could tell my younger self that, you know, you can do what you want to do. Like you don't need, you know, you know, you, what I'm trying to say is you don't need someone to give you a project um in order to actually do it you can pick up what it is that you want to do and do it by yourself and not worry about uh, people recognizing your effort because that will shine through um also i wish i had better time management when i was in at Pratt uh for my bachelor's degree or uh, i think that would have helped me a whole lot but yeah, I think that's that those are two things that I would try to remind my younger self. I think especially the time management is someone something yeah. that people would all agree on, but that's part of life, you know, that's who you grow from it. And Definitely. what do you think your style is in terms of design or the spaces you design? I don't you know, honestly, I don't feel like I have a, a particular style. I mean, personally, how I would design my own house, uh, you know, I'd like it to be very neutral and airy and sunny and with plants and all of that. But when it comes to my projects, I don't think I have like a certain a certain design uh, design style, I really, again, try to go back 
to the pattern of behavior of whom I'm designing for and try to fit that in. I feel like a lot of young designers, um, you know, really define their style at a very, at a very early age and are not open to a lot else. And I feel like that could potentially be a mistake uh, because again, you are designing not for yourself, you're designing for a client and you need to design, you know, what your brief asks you to. What is something that usually you would learn in university about design or when you're studying design that you think is not practical when you're actually applying it or something that you never use? Like it could be a theory or just a practice. I feel like, I feel like when I was in, uh, at first I was very frustrated about it. Uh, but I feel like I've come around to understand it now. At first, when I was in design school and we did all these projects, I felt like almost none of them could be constructed in the real world because we really never got into the details of their construction, you know, uh, and or th ever thought about a budget when we're in school. And, and then suddenly you're, you're working and there's, all of that to be done and you're just like excuse me this is not the designer that I was for the last four years you know um, but I feel like what that allows you to do is it allows you to express yourself find your design identity in the four years that you are in school um, which is helpful but yeah I feel like a lot that has to be done in the real world like construction administration, the bidding of a project, even how to get a project for that matter um, is something that you're not really taught in school. What is your advice to future designers, people who again wanna be involved in social design? Um, just anything you'd like to say to kind of give some inspiration? I would just say be observant, like, you know, I feel like the best way to learn design is to just observe, observe how people are using a space, um, observe how things have been designed and why they've been designed for a certain reason. I feel like once you start looking at things in a way of why was this done and why was it done this way you'll start getting a lot more answers and it will make your design journey much easier and what is your biggest achievement in the design field oh that's it i feel like uh, my biggest achievement would be um, the refugee shelter that i was talking about uh it I what was, was it like doing like designing for that designing you said you previously did hotels which is obviously very luxury it's about looking good how was it a switched mentality or different necessities needed for a refugee's shelter which is obviously like that's their bare necessities right. that's what they need versus coming to like a luxurious hotel I mean you know that's what I was saying I feel like at the end of the day both both projects needed a problem to be solved. Even if it is a luxurious project with a lot of budget, there is a there is an inherent problem that you're solving, right? 
um, it was just a different problem in the cases of the the refugee project. So I feel like mentally there's not that much. Obviously, you're you're researching a lot more in the other case because. Uh, I guess uh, hospitality precedents are much easier to find, but I feel like the biggest shift was just how gratifying the other one was as opposed to a luxury, like finishing up a luxury restaurant didn't felt really good to be honest, but not as gratifying, you know, feeling like you actually made a difference. Those things work. I completely agree. But in terms of the, sorry, I was just saying that in terms of the process, I just agree. I just feel like both are design problems that need a solution. So it's not like you can be equipped to do one and not the other. What projects do you find the most challenging? I actually, unpopular opinion, but I actually find residential projects really challenging. Uh, because I, or it, that may just be because of my own process, um, but really trying to understand uh, how I feel a sense of responsibility, like when I'm doing a residential project, because it feels like this is someone's, uh, not someone's business, you know, this is, this is a place somebody is going to live in for a very long time. They're putting in a lot of their own personal money into this. And I want to give them a product that they would be happy living in every day. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to create something that they wake up frustrated with me you know, on every day. So I, feel, I personally feel like the stakes are much higher at a residential, in a residential project, but I know that is an unpopular opinion, uh, but that's just how I feel. And lastly, where can the listeners find you if you have a LinkedIn or another place that people can contact you to get more information? Sure, I have a website. I can send it to you. Um, it's sanjanaparamansdesign.com. I also have a work Instagram, S-P-R-M-H-N-S. I can send that to you as well. And they can also find me on LinkedIn. But yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to hear your story. Great talking to you, Nicole. Bye. Thank you. Hey, I hope you loved this episode. If you did, rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or send it to people who you would think would be interested in listening in. You can learn more about the guests in the show notes or on the Design Find Instagram. The Design Find podcast is under the Entrepreneurs Network.